0: Hey, welcome to episode 39 of the Cafe Genius Impresario's audio program. I am your host, Dan Hugo. We are filling in the middle with the Fun Economy Mid. We did the Fun Economy Pre, that was episode 38, uh, before the now infamous Las Vegas Grand Prix Formula One race, uh, which was held on November 18th. So this is mid, I say mid because the race is over, but we have yet to figure out really what happens. So we'll talk about what people are talking about, which I find interesting in the context of the cultivation of our innovation culture. That sounds repetitive, but bear with me. And the, the uh, eventual establishment of our true entrepreneurial innovation ecosystem here, whether it becomes something grand or whether it just becomes something that supports local, local entrepreneurialism will remain to be seen, but we will find out. So as always, we talk about our local economy, the EIE, as I just referred, and the people that make that happen, the impresarios part. Uh, this being the holidays, by the way, today is 24 uh, November. It's November this time. Uh, 24 November, Black Friday, if you will, all about making money, a day for business, a day for consumerism, capitalism, in action, which is fine. I'm not, I'm not anti any of those things uh but today we're going to talk about and I do have the one in there play on words so to speak so the F1 fun economy we're going to talk about where we are as the race has just completed uh not quite a week ago and then uh, we'll do a post probably a month or two from now once more data is available more data is published more of the more of the mysteries are solved so to speak so uh there was a winner that was somewhat ironic considering that that winner max uh what's his name uh, uh i'll find it <laughs> max v uh w- oh max Verstappen. yeah Verstappen. Verstappen. for he was particularly uh opinionated which i appreciate i am probably even more opinionated uh there's i have one of the headlines in the, the show note is the show notes are full of links uh Basically since just before the race and certainly during and after, all manner of opinions, positive and negative, have uh, have unfolded and found a way to be expressed in the written, often written, sometimes uh, video or podcast world. That's what the press is for. So uh before real numbers it's come out though, which I hope they will, the L V C B A Publishes tourism numbers and will probably publish more since they were so intimately involved in this event. Uh, assessments can be made at that point, but, and, and that's what our post will be. So there, there's the pre episode 38, there's the mid, you're listening to that now, and the post will come much later. But I figured, hey, it's a long weekend. Why not, while it's still fresh, talk about what people are talking about? Like I said. So I'm only going to flip through some headlines. I have a long list. Uh, but I do encourage you to flip through some of them that sound interesting. They're all, they're all there. They cover a variety of different aspects of the race and the, the uh, adjacent considerations. Uh, but the three uh, areas that should be considered most closely in the post, one of them in particular. Uh, so the three tracks. See what I did there? The three tracks are. The race itself and the success found by and for team owners, drivers, fans, and others. So, uh, the race could have happened anywhere. They do happen everywhere. The, this weekend, it's in Abu Dhabi. Before Vegas, I think a week or two before, it was in Austin. I cannot call myself a true race fan. Uh, I know I know how cars work, uh, and I know what ground effect is. I have some idea why a manhole cover or whatever they call them nowadays. Uh, an access panel cover, whatever that is uh damage a car it's a ground effect, low pressure, so things like that are interesting to me, but I cannot say that I follow the uh the exciting world of grand Prix racing Formula One may as well be a beverage, so the race itself though is one track uh the big money winners uh the resorts, the casinos, the people that invested in the race here, um any bars, sports books. Uh, and honestly, I don't even know if they were betting on the race, but we'll find that out. Uh, and, and again, uh, the casinos here, for example, do a monthly, I don't know if they report it the month after or two months after, but there is a monthly sort of, uh, P Uh, I think it was for October. Uh, it's not totally relevant right now, but I think it was for October. There were, there was like 700, 780, million million of revenue. <laughs> revenue for the casinos, but revenue for the uh, gaming revenue for the casinos. So gaming revenue is essentially profit, right? Those numbers are, uh, I'll have to look up the gaming control board. That will probably be uh, much more detailed in the post. That's the intent is to find out where, where the winners were and how much they won. I don't mean gaming winners. I mean here. So, but big money winners, uh, the, the casinos and whatnot. Anyone who did direct business you know, direct business with the race, with the race owners, with the team owners, with the drivers, with the fans, with the people who came here for the race. That may or may not appear in the in the um, tourism and visitor stats, the research at which I've linked to that at the bottom of the links, the Las Vegas Convention and Visitors Authority research part of their website where they do publish uh, a lot of actually interesting data about people who visit uh, the greater Vegas area. And finally, the third track is the rest of greater Vegas. That's us. Uh, Do we, as people who live here, uh, workers, small business owners, maybe even those visiting for something other than formula one, which I suppose that's possible. (laughs) Uh, How did, how did everyone else fare in this uh, adventure? So the race, the race itself, the, uh, even though leading up to the race, there was a lot of drama, uh, some of the drivers, including the eventual winner were fairly negative. There's been some sniping and some bickering and some, uh, I think even some fines, some, uh, some consequences to free speech, if you will. Uh, so it was, it was sort of a soap opera. I don't know if that's part of the, almost like world wrestling or, uh, even boxing. Boxing, of course, which is most definitely established here in the uh, the Vegas area. I think Caesars. Caesars has been a frequent home of some of the best-known, relevant, historically amazing boxing matches. The Sweet Science, as they say. So maybe some of that was to drum up uh, interest, a little bit of drama, a little bit of bravado ahead of time. Who knows? Uh, basically, it's too, too soon to tell what all this really means, but, uh, I'll flip through a couple of headlines at this point. I'll just read the headlines. So I've read, read or skimmed these articles. Uh, like I said, I'm not a big race fan, but I'm, I'm curious to know. And of course we have the links. You can read them anytime. I'm curious to know how this all fits together from a systems point. So point of view. So, uh, obviously the manhole issue, according to, uh, well, one headline, uh, the the manhole issue was unacceptable. Well, of course, it is. This, um, these are the sorts of things that you do better and better each year. So, uh, I think I've the general consensus is this happens. It's of course super unfortunate, expensive, <laughs> and in the, this particular case, because they had to cut the the practice race, uh, the the practice runs. I don't know FP one, I think it was, because they had to practice uh, later, so they cut it short and then they moved it to later. So the people that were there to see the practice, the, the fans who paid, I think, uh, more than a couple of bucks to be there. I want to say it was two thirty in the morning. They moved the practices such that they were going to continue later and into more early hours later, later, earlier, whatever. And, uh, so they told the fans to leave and that was also unacceptable for some. And, uh, Apparently there's now a class action lawsuit that has got a lot of zeros in it for telling paying fans that they were not welcome to see what they paid for. So that can be interesting. That that will be interesting to watch just on its own to see what people might expect when they pay big dollars to see big events. Uh, here's a here's a sexy headline. Las Vegas, filthiest and most unhygienic hotels and casinos are revealed ahead of this weekend's hotly anticipated formula one race. And that was in the daily mail in the UK. That's just a, that's an eye catching headline that makes you want to read it. Like what's going on. Uh, Vegas has had a very public bed bug issue and super bug issue. There's a, there's an uncurable, um, fungus. I think it is. I don't, I'm not going to get into that. That, That's, that's a topic for a, a deep dive, not, about business and entrepreneurialism, but about public health. But suffice to say, uh, when you have so many people from so many places coming to one location and then leaving, anything is possible. So uh, filthy and most unhygienic—those are words you love to hear, especially in Yelp reviews or TripAdvisor. Uh, so yeah, there is <clears throat> there is one, two, three, four, five—the fifth fifth link, if you're keeping score. F1 fans removed from Grand Sand ahead of delayed Vegas FP2. So yeah, the FP, FP1 was early in the evening. It stopped 10 minutes in or 20 minutes in due to this manhole uh, not being properly sealed, welded down, and then it uh, damaged a vehicle. So when they were told to leave, they were hurt feelings. I believe, if I recall correctly, the Formula One people offered a $200 Asari voucher of some sort to buy Formula One swag. And some of the follow-up articles were $200 doesn't get you much. (laughs) Not really surprised customer service. Uh, There's uh, the Wall Street Journal, Formula One bet, $600 million on Las Vegas. Could it be a busted flush? It's always good to see optimistic enthusiasm in the major media. Uh, The Las Vegas Grand Prix is off to a disastrous start. Formula one's race in Las Vegas proves it doesn't get its new American audience that's in box uh, the Washington Post had a, a sort of a basic article on inside the debut um, how successful does las Vegas F1 race need to be to fulfill ten year commitment that's a good one to keep track of uh, Our verdict on f1 's wild Las Vegas GP thriller that's from the race i'll let you read that. Because uh, that verdict is going to change. It's, uh, it's all over the place in the last week. Yay, or boo, or both at the same time. Uh, Daniel R- uh, Riss, I'm sorry, Ricciardo delivers verdict on painful Las Vegas Grand Prix weekend. That's from Planet F1. Really challenging. Uh, the driver, an F1 driver, apologized to the team after performance in Las Vegas this weekend. That's an F1 oversteer. Uh, F1 News, Max Verstappen, the winner of the race. Las Vegas GP Celebration has fans and hysterics. Uh, Formula 1 news, rumors and standings and more from F1 Briefings. Uh, column. Uh, where was the column from? Oh. A column on AOL. Eh. F1 hits the jackpot after many stumbles. Uh, uh, the Athletic. I got to be honest, I thought it was the Atlantic when I first saw it. Uh, the athletic uh, F1 may have won in Las Vegas, but changes are needed for the next year. Of course, Uh, a poker player had a $400,000 night Caesars Palace suite and was playing uh, probably playing poker. It was in poker news. I'm going to guess that not everyone was paying $400,000 a night. Uh, There's some, some intrigue with the winner for Stapen crosses the line to win the first race at the new strip. So on the one hand, he crossed the finish line. Uh, on the other, he said a bunch of stuff before, and I think some people are calling him out after. Uh, another column on in Auto Racing Digest, uh, the F1 Circus, that's in quotes, in Vegas proves to be more forgettable than memorable. Ooh, ouch. Uh, yeah, the <laughs> in uh, Motorsports, uh, Max Verstappen criticizes Las Vegas Grand Prix. So he was doing that quite a bit. I made a point of mentioning that in the uh, the pre-episode last week. I don't even know who the guy is. Uh, it's just that he was making headlines with his complete negativity, uh, the 99, 99% show, 1% race, uh, things like this. So it was a lot of negativity. And a lot of the content I have here is about this race because that's all we really have at the moment. We know a lot of money went into it. We know it had issues. We know that the race was won. We know that there were no, um, there were, certainly there were no, Accidents that cause permanent damage. Uh, I mean, nobody, no. <laughs> I always have this. Uh, once you see a uh, wheel, a tire wheel, fly off of a vehicle moving at high speed on a track or anywhere, and fly up into the stands and bounce off people, that doesn't work out for anyone. So, I, I never hope for those things where you are like, man, that would not, that would not be good, obviously. So, no, nothing like that happened so far that we're aware of. So that part's good. So all these are scuttlebutt, right? They're all uh, some bickering, some complaints about the the schedule, the the proximity to the final, the finale, I guess, in uh, Abu Dhabi, which I believe is this weekend. So for next year, they want it to be spaced out more, so the drivers can rest. That doesn't seem too bad, too unreasonable. Um, resort leaders, the people that that are in the big money group, say Formula One was the best Las Vegas event ever produced. And that's where we'll look in the post section a month or two, or I hope it's a month or two. I think, we, I hope it's like a month, uh, down the road and we'll see where the money ended up and who the winners and losers, as they say. Uh, but so far there appears to be, uh, unreserved optimism from the big money crew. Uh, the F1 teardown, now this is where we get into the, the local impact. The F1 teardown is to take six to eight weeks. Uh, locals, visitors, those are people that are the tourists who were not necessarily here for the race, perhaps, uh, feel disappointed. And that there's a YouTube video. I think that was fo- our local Fox news affiliate, but, uh, so yeah, that's, this is where we're starting to get into the, the not big winner, big money race people, but the normal people, uh, there's an article about the parties. Uh, there's, there's a particularly interesting one that I will touch on more specifically in a moment, but it's, uh, how Formula One accidentally, that's an interesting use of that word, accidentally helped Las Vegas workers land the best contract ever. And obviously they're referring to the uh, the, the strike that didn't, which still could actually, believe it or not. Uh, the, the, the culinary union, uh, basically the people that make Vegas go, the normal people uh, who are never appreciated, never paid properly, uh, the tip economy is broken. They should be paid as though they are really doing work. Cause guess what, they are. Uh, so there was a there was a, a strike. Um, there was a walkout. I guess there was a demonstration. It did, I don't think it actually got to a full-on strike, but there was definitely, you know, hey, guess what? Before your big giant event, we're gonna we're gonna leverage this for our benefit. Which good for them. That's what collective bargaining is for. So, accidentally, I believe is a. <laughs> it's an eye, it's a clickbait. It's not really accidental. I do find it interesting. I'll just say this. I do find it interesting that at the same time, uh, open AI accidentally ousted its, uh, co-founder and CEO. And then he accidentally got a job offer immediately from Microsoft, which is an investor. And then he accidentally got reinstated as a CEO and the board got booted. So yeah, the accidents in uh, accidents like this are, uh, strategic no doubt Uh, apparently 1.3 million people watched the actual race it'll be interesting to know how many oh it says in the u.s uh it'll be interesting to know what like what fraction of the total fan base that watches online or on tv um 1.3 million it's not bad 40 million people come to las vegas each year this is 1.3 million in a day but they weren't actually here uh a great race wasn't enough to get Las Vegas Grand Prix ratings over the hump. That's another article in the links. Uh, Max Verstappen warned over angering F1 owners. That's from GPFans.com. I, like I said, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what the the uh, culture of F1 of, of uh, car racing in general is. Uh, I have to think that some of the bravado and the drama adds to the overall, but I could be wrong. Another article, again from the Athletic, five hundred million dollar Las Vegas Grand Prix by the numbers, one hundred and thirty five dollar cocktails, et cetera. So that's another look at, uh, <laughs> yeah, the joy of being at an event like this. Um, bad language warnings. So again, some of the some of the drivers, especially, were irked. Is a word. Uh, this is a reasonable Formula One's Las Vegas Grand Prix. Prove the doubters wrong, but there's still work to do. Yes, of course. There's, there's an adage if you're an Apple user, if you're an Apple fan, uh, never get version one.' There's always, there's always the, the, the launch product and then the real product which gets a few of the point release fixes that didn't make. So version one it always has a deadline. And because it's a first, like you can't go, well, we've been doing this for 10 years. The last uh, Formula One race in Las Vegas was in 1982. It was very different so you know this was version one and version one will be fraught with learnings uh and then there's an article in the thrillist uh, what it was like to attend Las Vegas. so that's the the rundown i there i think there were some more i skipped over but uh so those were basically there was one mention there were two mentions. i think there's a there's a fox local fox youtube video and i think there's one other article uh the impact on local businesses the um I believe I've seen elsewhere too uh, small businesses did not make out there was um there was one article on downtown if you're a Vegas local you know downtown especially now the arts district the the brewery row same area so basically just north of the stratosphere in the the uh, 18B the arts district that's where all the sort of new up and coming restaurants bars etc the brewery row has you know, some actual breweries. So apparently that place was a ghost town on Friday night. It was, um, not the typical bustling Friday. So the race weekend led most local people. And again, that's the, it's more of a local spot, right? People come to Vegas for the strip. They only sometimes come to Vegas to hang out on Fremont street, see the Viva vision, maybe check out circa or many of the many, many fine established, uh, Establishments down on Fremont or in Fremont East or in the general area. So the Arts District. I don't. Know, I didn't read anything about Fremont. Fremont was probably still its normal bustling weirdness. But we know that local business on Friday, uh, anecdotally for the time being, probably lost money because nobody was around. It was very quiet. People prefer, preferred to stay off the streets, which is probably a good idea. I got to be honest. I left town. I was visiting my family in Phoenix, Arizona. Why not get out of town for a race like this and then get back home before the Thanksgiving holiday weekend chaos? So so yeah, my plan was to not be a part of the Formula One economy at all. Uh, maybe some others did the same. So the race itself, to get back on my notes here, uh, generally seems okay. There's the complaining and bickering, but that's you'll have that. And again, the race uh, finale in Abu Dhabi, so all this kind of fits together, I think. So got to keep the energy level up and always keep talking about it and so on. So these are sort of par for the course. The big money winners, of course, are going to be excited about the event because they want it to happen next year. They want, they want these events that benefit them. Uh, I have to wonder, like investment risk, how much of that was social, how much of that was born by Formula One. So these are some things that we will eventually find out. Uh, I think it's important to know when investment in infrastructure is going to benefit the few at the expense of the many versus just benefiting the few. And if it's public money, of course, it, it does at the expense of, but grossly speaking, you know, a, a baseball stadium, a football stadium, uh, the these events that have a structure that bring people to them, That's during construction, of course, there's transportation issues and so on. But there's a case to be made for and against those, uh, something that causes the level of disruption that the Formula One race did from construction to uh, fundamental changes to the landscape downtown and along the track, right? Cutting down trees and so on. And then uh, the ongoing impact of these things. And then the recurring impact, if this does happen over the course of the next Uh, certainly next year, I suppose, but I believe the initial contract is for three to four years and the, the plan is for 10 years or something like that. So the finer details, I'm sure will be coming out as the dust settles, uh, big money, no whammies. Some will get that, uh, the real visitor numbers. That'll be interesting to get from the LBCBA. So I have a link to the show in the show notes about, uh, where that research section is on their website. Uh, the news we kept hearing about as the race approached was that tickets and rooms and other visitor features were coming down in price rapidly, uh, shockingly for some. There are obvious questions to ask about why. Apparently, demand was much lower. There, uh, I believe I linked to an article in the pre-show that the uh, the demand was not as expected nor planned for. So, if they planned for twice as many people, well, that's gonna that's gonna have an impact somewhere. So it's. I cannot imagine everything was quite as rosy as they're making it sound and that's ideally uh what we'll see in some cases if uh, as I mentioned the uh, gaming in greater vegas they disclose their monthly revenue from the casinos um I've never really looked at those numbers in great detail but I do know that they um, they're state they're published for the state so and broken down by region locality so I believe it was 1.2 billion dollars in gaming revenue for the state of Nevada for I believe it was October, could have been September, and 790 ish or some, it was something like that. So they they give that level breakdown off to see what the uh, what the resolution is on some of these numbers. But the, an interesting question will be whether uh, visitors for the race staying at resorts and playing gaming in the casinos near the track, the, the, the related areas, what impact that had on gaming revenue and whether that offsets any that was lost. And I'll get to this next session. Uh, that was lost for people not, not coming here or not participating as they normally would have. And it's tricky to do year over year for that. We can probably look at month over month. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, less tangible returns. Uh, we'll have to see how that goes right so it's really easy to post these numbers about specific wins but how transparent will the big money players be about the the negative side and again the impact on normal tourists the people who wanted to visit vegas for vegasy things who may have been displaced by the high room cost by the, the 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 vast changes and and um the issues with getting around and so on. And the rest of us, I haven't talked about tourists yet. The rest of us, that's the people who live here, the locals. Uh, Traffic impact, getting around. Uh, If you are a user of our transit system here, I feel you. That's never, never fun. Uh, We did have a DUI. A bus driver killed a guy and he was arrested for operating the bus with people on it uh, for being impaired. So, so that was something, uh, the rest of us though, uh, we face community issues, traffic in general, um, just general chaos, not being able to get around. There's, this isn't normal though. I don't know if you know this, but there's always something to be torn down and rebuilt, torn up and repaved, et cetera, here in Vegas. So, uh, I've lived here for 10 years. Everything is always under construction or about to be imploded and rebuilt a, a city that not only, uh, Never turns off the lights, but also never stops paving. Uh, the considerations, I talked about this during the pre, the, the considerations for employees on the strip and the impact it would have on them getting to work were left to chance until very late. I think it was October 10th, if memory serves. You can listen to the previous show about that. Uh, this is a systems problem. This is um, This is about being be dazzled by the bright lights of a Formula One race. This is an operations and logistics concern. Uh, if you are so distracted by the big money and the press and the headlines, the excitement of uh, putting together something like this at this scale, and you, whoopsie, forget to think of the people that will be put out. And, you know, our fun economy, this is a core economy. This is why I've, I've said it before. Um, I mock Beau Bernard. He's very... Uh, he's, 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 prolific in his, uh, promotion of the fun economy, which is fine. And I've said before, even though I'm not a huge Beau Bernard fan, he is correct. Uh, 40 million visitors don't come here to look at trees that have been cut down. They come here for Vegas. They come here for the things that are in many cases, uniquely Vegas. And so to watch them be put at risk and guess what? The people who work on the strip, I I want to say it was 10,000 people in in a particular in each time slot or something, there's more than ten thousand people work on the strip, but directly impacted by being able to get to work to get home from work, you know, you cannot possibly tell a person who normally gets off work at you know two in the morning say that oh it's going to take you an extra two hours to get home because we're completely rerouting your normal. That's that's not being human human centric in your approach to this. So uh, I don't know how things finally shook out to get people to and from work, there was a reference to using the monorail and some other, uh, some parking that was made available. And so, on. so there, there, there are situations that were, um, shown light upon and then addressed at some point, surely after in the post-show, we will have more references to some interviews and some other, some data on how that shake shook out, shook out, shaked out one of those. So the, uh, the imp- the direct impact on people working there was i believe in my opinion left to chance uh till way too late in the game i think more people should have been uh accounted for and been a part of that conversation and in light of the strike that was kind of the accidental contract <laughs> negotiations in light of all that there should really have been some attention paid to the humans and i think maybe those things should be considered together you should be wondering: Are our dollar signs getting in the way at every turn? It's possible. So, uh, for myself, it did not. The Formula One race did not directly impact me, although I did limit my travel downtown and certainly on the strip. I was on the strip once. I, w- I want to say once maximum for the entire duration. Well, did I? Well, I went to the Mobile World Congress, but yeah, I was only on on the strip proper once, and luckily, minimal impact due to construction so mostly for myself i avoided the whole thing that may be true for many people so you know the, these sorts of things do have an impact and i often wonder if the thinking takes that into account or if it's really all about uh leading from the top ignoring the bottom and looking at the outcome as the uh, proof the proof in the pudding the ends justifying the means so and this the point of all this i will make at the end As with the first show though, I am looking at this as a particularly disruptive example of what happens when you make a change that impacts many. Does it benefit many? That's We'll still be asking that. So tourism visitors, uh, from an economic standpoint, this is the end goal of Vegas. Even though the people that live here should be a concern, they may or may not be, but tourism is a major component of our economy. It would be Foolish to put that at risk. So from an economic standpoint, did the local economy with outside inputs from tourists and visitors, uh, and hopefully those people will come again, uh, did it benefit? Uh, That is the end goal, right? Economic diversity for the win. So this is the fun economy. Uh, Did they come for the event? Did they have fun? Will they return? Or did they come for not the event? And did they still have the same fun they could have had? in our fun economy, uh, there were countless return, uh, returns. There were countless, uh, interviews on people who came to Vegas, probably returning, probably, you know, looking for their, their annual visit or their, you know, their typical spots. Many people were off put by the cutting down of the trees along the Bellagio, the the water railing, I guess there there were trees that were there for shade, no more. They were they were chopped down. That upset some people who thought the trees could have been relocated instead of being cho- uh, chopped down. Uh, they drained the water out of the uh, the gondola ride, I guess. The the water at the Ven- uh, Venetian, yeah, was emptied for the sake of the race and construction. So this had an impact because it all had to happen beforehand. This had an impact on people visiting for weeks. And so while the race itself may have brought a fan base to vegas maybe people who have never been to vegas i would find that difficult to believe but could be uh for the race weekend or the week of you can look at those numbers but during the entire construction window you have to look at tourists and visitors who came here who come here regularly or who came here for the first time expecting a vegas experience and instead reached the under construction experience those trees are no longer here that water is being drained, sorry, um, oh, the prices are much higher than you expected, or you know so on and so on, so the impact due to the construction and the preparation and the the um, associated costs and inconvenience need to be considered as a total impact. if we were doing an environmental imp- impact report we 'd be looking at all these things right, so we should be looking at an economic impact report and consider the costs involved not only to feed the project but to deter visitors and to, uh, alter their flow through the city, possibly deterring them from interacting with particular businesses and so on. So the impact felt on the ground is something to look at well beyond the week of the race several weeks and even months before, uh, you know, putting the strip back the, the, the race at the, the track itself needs to be reset, right. To, uh, allow for normal people to get around, That could take six to eight weeks. So at least that long following uh, the race. So that puts us into CES territory. So will people be coming here for CES? And will we get some feedback on that? That'll be interesting to see. Uh, CES is January 9th, 2024. So just at the end of that six to eight week window will be an event like CES, which is considered to be one of the largest. Uh, I saw one number that 315,000 people... Came for the Formula One race. I would very much like to see that broken down and actually checked. Uh, CES, its high numbers at at the one hundred eighty thousand mark. However, I will say if you look at the LVCVA LVCVA, (laughs) research data for uh, any particular week, you know if you look at January's um, each week in January, or if you look at you know first or second week month over month, etc. The CES event, even though it is the largest trade show or among the largest at this point, doesn't necessarily drastically alter the uh, the visitor numbers. They just shift, right? So rather than having a general population of tourists and visitors, you have a a, a slight leaning towards the consumer electronics. For that week, you have more people staying, uh, and then uh, staying around the convention center or the other satellite. Locations, the the Venetian Expo, uh, I think at the Aria, there's you know, so so more people are here for that particular event. Same can be said for Formula One. The room rates do go up. There is a change in the the um, the short term, you know, cost of cost of uh, fun. I guess I was going to say cost of living. It's uh, it's sort of like that, right? You're changing how much it costs to live in Vegas for a week. So these are all things that will. W- we'll, they do deserve, and we'll get a more, more detailed examination in the post and between now and the post show for the fun economy, the F1 fun economy. Uh, what else can we add to our economy? That's the whole reason to look at this. Um, I may have mentioned this before. There's this notion that Las Vegas, the greater Vegas area will be the next Silicon Valley. We will not, uh, we could add basketball. We could add more conferences and conventions. We could, uh, we could have more transactional events, and people come, they conduct their business, they enjoy their time, they add to our economy by staying in resorts and hotel rooms, they spend money in local businesses, restaurants, bars, entertainment, shows, professional sports, they game, and then they go home, or wherever. Uh, Residents and traditional businesses, including service industries, uh, of course, and Teachers, retail, other services, employees, everybody, everybody who lives in a normal place. It's, if you remove the Vegas from Vegas, it's a normal society. People have jobs. There are kids that have to go to school. There are people that have to eat and drink, and there are people that have to drive cars that need maintenance and so on. And So all those normal things. Um, these are people that are impacted when you you know disrupt traffic for a couple of months or tear down things that normally would draw their customers to visit them. We say, oh, I'm not going to visit Vegas. The place is a mess. I'll I'll go maybe in a couple of months or maybe next year. So that has impact on local small business and uh, the people who live here and who depend on those things. Entrepreneurs uh, starting small and medium businesses uh, are part of our functional municipal locality, right? So those are normal things. There's no no reason that would not be uh, occurring. If we, you know, if we become the next Silicon Valley, would that happen more? Well, it would have to happen more. <laughs> Otherwise, we would just be a normal city. Uh, but those don't go away. So there's under no circumstances should those be those be viewed as not important or not a focus. Uh, people are entrepreneurial everywhere. Being an entrepreneur means you are starting a business. Uh, there is a joke that being an entrepreneur is uh, someone who has an idea, but no money. I am I'm that many times over. So that can and should continue and hopefully will. And encouraging that is part of what we're trying to accomplish here, the EIE, Entrepreneurial Innovation Ecosystem. So those things are good. Uh, those should continue to be a part of our economy and should be made stronger so that the people choosing those things have a better shot. Uh, should we be an innovation hub? Uh, I have said this many times. We should be an innovation destination. Look at all that transactional business. People come here, they conduct their business, and they leave. We don't drastically increase the cost of living. We don't price out the people that are making all these things happen, the service industry, the people that work in the businesses that are directly impacted by and who enable or which enable uh, tourism and visits and conventions and sporting events now and all those things. So uh, innovation destination can actually be a part of the fun economy. Come here to Vegas. For your innovation week, for your innovation sprint, like reInvent going on from Amazon, like the Intel Sales and Marketing Conference, one week a year, like so many things where you bring people from different parts of the world together at Vegas. You stay in hotel rooms at resorts. You feed the economy by eating and drinking and traveling around and participating in it. And then you leave. So you are fueling the people, fueling, you are enabling, you are financing the people who live here and who power this economy without fundamentally shifting it through gentrification by relocating businesses here. So the innovation hub idea, I am not a fan of, nor have I been. The innovation destination, however, big fan. Uh, I've already talked about the fusion center idea, how that may, not directly, but it sort of manifests itself in the tech park on Sunset, a UNLV project. Uh, yeah, so the question though is, and, and and again, yeah, so the people that come here to be innovative and then leave, so they're transient or transactional, they contribute to the fun economy, making use of it and uh, you know, adding to it, but they don't put it at risk by changing the cost of living and pricing people out from enabling, empowering, the fun economy. So, uh, and again, we, we saw during the pandemic times, 25 to 40% rent increases made it difficult for people to stay here when there were no tourists coming here. So we can already look at that tiny mini example, uh, something to be cognizant of and um, cautious of, in fact. So when I look at the Formula One race, the promotion of it, the focus on which outcomes matter, the KPIs you know, the KPIs may be overly centered on the big money, you know, the race owners, and then the, the, the adjacent businesses, the resorts and so on. Without paying sufficient attention necessarily, uh, I think there should be more attention paid to the underpinnings of an economy, which are, as everyone knows, small business. Those small businesses are what make an economy go. And I'm, it will be interesting to see for our post-show how this shakes out, where the money actually landed, who actually suffered for the sake of this wonderful Formula One Grand Prix in Las Vegas. Is there enough culture and ecosystem here in greater Vegas to support the next Silicon Valley moniker? Let's talk about it in 10 years. In the meantime, uh, I hope you had a happy holiday. You can hear my voice as usual is ending the show before I am the, uh, The weather is turning. The weather is getting chilly, which is nice. Uh, Who knows? Maybe we'll get some more rain. Lake Mead is apparently up, but it's projected to be the lowest record levels, lowest record, lowest levels on record. Record Record-breaking low levels. One of those. Uh, In the next year or two, so don't believe everything you read. But do bring your own water if you come to Vegas. And leave it if you have extra. We need it. Thanks as always for listening. If you are an entrepreneur and you want to be on the show so we can talk about what you're up to and what would make our entrepreneurial ecosystem, entrepreneurial innovation ecosystem better, then I'm here for it. So let me know. Uh, Our new website that will self-host is coming. That's what long weekends are for. Um, Yeah, our website needs some attention so that we can roll out some of the other projects we're working on we can certainly cover this stuff. And I want to say that surveying the people of Greater Vegas about stuff like Formula One race impact on their life, their business, their future, I think it's important to capture that information at scale and not rely on local media, local government, commercial interest to do that for us. We're in this together. I'm an entrepreneur just as much as you are, or maybe as much as you want to be. So there you go. Thank you for listening again. Thank you for sharing this with others. Uh, The more people listen, the more fun it is.